Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're in Chugwater, Wyoming with Jill Winger of the Prairie Homestead. After growing up in the suburbs, Jill and her husband, Christian, knew they wanted a life in the country. So they went all in and started building what we now know as the Prairie Homestead. Jill's sharing all about her life as a homesteader, what she has learned as this brand and business has grown and expanded, and how, as someone who didn't love cooking, she ended up with a cookbook. So here we go with Jill Winger. All right. Well, we are here today with Jill Winger of the Prairie Homestead in Chugwater, Wyoming. Jill, thanks for being on the podcast. You are welcome. I am so excited to be here. So tell us about you. Have you always lived in Wyoming? Actually, no. I am a transplant. Um, I'm originally from North Idaho up in the Panhandle. And when I was 18, I came to Wyoming to pursue a career in the horse industry. So then I met my husband here, decided this was the place for me, and, and here we are. So that was a completely different direction for you. Tell us kind of how you grew up and and how coming to Wyoming was a lot different than maybe the way that you had grown up. Yeah. So how we're living now is I think no one who knew me as a kid would think I ended up here. (laughs) Uh, Definitely a huge contrast. I was raised your typical 90s kid, you know, house in town. We were kind of on the outskirts, but still there was no land or barns or anything. Um, But from day one, I had this bizarre obsession with farm life and especially horses. That was my, my soft spot. But I would even go to the extent of like eight years old, pushing a wheelbarrow around the yard to pretend I was cleaning stalls. The neighbors were like, something is wrong with her. Um, and you know, I never grew out of it though. So I was 18 and I'm like, what do I do with my life? And they're like, well, you can go, you know, the list people were listing out degrees and college classes. And I was like, no, it has to be something in rural living or farming or ranching. And so I ended up settling on horses, which then kind of took me into the next phase after that. Okay, great. Well, at what point did your husband come into the picture? So I was at college. I was at a little community college here in Southeast Wyoming. Um, It was super glamorous. I, it was 6 a.m., and I worked for the barn crew, and so our job was scraping liquid cow manure out of the roping chutes <laughs> after rodeo practice the night before. Oh, yeah. So 6 a.m., it was like six inches. It was super messy, and he happened to be in the arena. He was not a student. He was actually helping to wire the arena. He was working as an electrician, and he says it was like the moment he saw me, he knew um, I was not like paying attention at that point because it was like 6 a.m. barn hair covered in manure and I'm tired. But yeah, he noticed me then and then we met up later kind of coincidentally and the rest is history. Wow. So we got married. Um, We started a year or so into it looking for our first home, you know, as most newlyweds do. But we knew, we didn't know what we wanted, but we knew one thing and that was that we did not want to live in the typical, you know, newlywed house in town which everyone was like, just do that. It'll be faster, cheaper, easier. We're like, no, we have to do something different. We want to live outside of town. And so we thought we were just going to be getting land for our horses. So we found this tumble-down farmstead. It was in our price range, not beautiful, um, pretty much trashed from the inside out, but it was affordable and it had land. And so we purchased it thinking it would be our horse property, But then literally, like the day we signed the papers, 
I was hit. I, I just still don't know where it came from. This overwhelming desire to make that land profitable and productive because it was sad and dejected and it hadn't been cared for in a long time. And that's what kind of prompted this idea of homesteading for us. Okay. So define homestead in modern terms. It gets tricky because there's a lot of definitions and a lot of times people will say, okay, so this means you got free land from the government, right? Like, (laughs) where do I get this? And I'm like, you know, sorry, there is no free land. Or maybe there is some very obscure little people, like, just don't go there. Just don't worry about that. But how I define modern homesteading is really taking the best of old-fashioned living and, and principles and weaving it into a modern life. So for us, it's not about necessarily forsaking all convenience or, you know, living 100 miles from anyone and never seeing people and, you know, being completely off-grid, although if that's your jam, that's cool. Um, but for us, it's staying with one foot in the modern world, but one foot intentionally in the old-fashioned lifestyle that brings a lot of richness into what we do. Yeah. So here you are, two city kids, starting your life in the country. What was that learning process like? It was rough. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of mistakes made. Um, Thankfully, I had a little bit of experience with animals, you know, the horses, and I had also been a vet tech. So that was helpful. And my husband had the construction background. So that gave us a leg up in building things. But, But yeah, we we kind of just jump in. And when people to this day ask me, how do I start? I'm like, you just dive in and you're going to make mistakes. And we certainly did. Um, There is a certain fence line here out the back. We moved three times and rebuilt three times because we never could quite decide where we wanted it. And then we're like, no, this isn't going to work. So let's rip it out again. And so plenty of those stories as we were getting our bearings into this homestead life. Oh my goodness. Well, at some point, you re- you mentioned you realized this could be profitable for us. So what was, I mean, yes, you're kind of building your life here, but then what was the other part of it where you're trying to monetize it? So the profitable piece, I think, started just with the home food production, which is where a lot of homesteaders start. And it was this idea of we have the land, how can it, pr- how can it grow something, whether it's meat or dairy or eggs or vegetables. So we started off with that idea. And then that kind of graduated into, I think, launching us into this entrepreneur world, which brought on the idea of helping others homestead and then teaching classes and courses online, which is now our full-time family business. Wow. That's great. So you recently published a cookbook, which is amazing. Thank you. Have you always had a passion for cooking? No, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Believe it or not. Um, As a kid, my mom would try to teach me to cook. And I was always very opposed. I'm like, just let me go outside and do something outside. Um, and then even as a young single girl, I, I just was like frozen taquitos and ramen and hot dogs and I'm good. So it was when I got, we got married and I had someone to cook for. That helped. But the biggest driving force was being so far from town. So if I wanted ice cream or pizza, I had to make it. So it's, sure. I had to get really, really creative. And that's kind of when I started being forced to do it. I'm like, I actually like this. It's kind of fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what kind of sparked the idea for a cookbook? I knew I, wa- I was ready to, to have a traditionally published book. I'd done some eBooks, and I really wanted that book on the shelf. And so we were talking through different ideas, my uh, agent and I, and we talked about all kinds of things. And it kept coming back to the food. Because for me, that is where home setting starts. 
that's what got me into homesteading. That's what I see so many others being drawn to this lifestyle for. And the whole premise behind the cookbook is helping people take simple whole food ingredients and turn them into food that their family's really going to enjoy. Because when you start to grow your own vegetables or you, you know, you're faced with ingredients versus packaged food, it can be a little disorienting sometimes. And sometimes we need a little help knowing what to do with these whole ingredients and how to make them taste good. So that's really the, the inspiration behind the book. Well, and you, aside from just having great recipes, you're also a writer because uh, you wrote the introduction and it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that was um, a revelation definitely later that I actually, <laughs> I've been blogging for 10 years and literally up to year nine, I'm like, I don't really like writing. And my people would be like, stop, you're being like, you must like writing. And I'm like, no, I just do it because it's part of the gig. And I actually have come to terms like, hey, I think I, I like writing. It's actually relaxing now. So yeah, it took me a while. Yeah. Well, you're great. And your story is like a fairy tale. It's really amazing. So at what point did the blog come in and kind of that piece into this whole journey? So I was, let's see, we started, we bought the homestead in 2008. Um, 2009, I got pregnant with our first child. So I quit my job at the vet clinic and I knew I was going to be home with her. I wanted to be a stay at home mom. Um, she was born in 2010, and it was at that point where I had this brand new baby, and I was home, and I'm pretty type A personality, and I kind of started to go a little stir crazy. You know, I couldn't get to town a lot. The budget was tight. It cost gas money to drive back and forth, and I thought, well, what am I going to do with myself? I got to do something. <laughs> um, and at that point, my biggest passion was what I was growing in the garden because I was just fledgling homesteader girl and the chickens we had bought, and I was learning how to make bread. Uh, and I wanted to talk about it, but no one really wanted to listen because, you know, they were like, okay, you're, this is strange. Can we not talk about goats and chickens anymore? Like, when are you going to be through this phase? So the blog was just an outlet for me to, to talk about it nonstop and no one cared. And to potentially, I started slowly finding like-minded people. And then it just really exploded after that. Well, you were kind of maybe ahead of your time a little bit too, because now homesteading is a very common buzzword, but probably then it wasn't. It was not. Yeah. And you would, I remember when we brought home our first dairy goats, um, no one around us had had dairy goats or was milking any animal of any kind or had ever heard of someone in this era milking a goat. So there was a lot of raised eyebrows and now it feels so much more accepted and just normal. Like normal, I guess is relative, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You helped pave the way. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you love most about your life here on the prairie? I love the mixture of what we do. And I, I, people often ask if I like one part of our life more than the other, because we know we run the businesses and we have a part of our life that's fast paced and then part of our life that's surprisingly old fashioned. And people will say, which one do you like best? And I think I need to have both. Um, I love the stimulation of running a business and being connected to people online and helping others. But then I also, at the end of the day, I want to shut off the computer and go outside and plant something or play with the cows, or be in the fresh air. And I think having the, the both really keeps me grounded and also driving forward into what we really want in life because they, they support each other really well. Yeah. What have been some of the key things that you've learned along the way that have helped you be successful? I think just don't quit is the big one um, because there's a, lot, there's a lot of bumps, you know, and failure is something that we're all adverse to. Um, but you can't let it stop you. And so I think that ability to be resilient, that's like one of my favorite words is resilience. 
and get hit in the face and just get back up and keep on trucking is it's overlooked a lot of the time. Um, and people think you have to have certain talents or gifts to do what they want. And it's really not about that. It's just about who can get up the, the most times and keep on going. Yeah. I think that's so true. And that really translates to anything you're doing in entrepreneur world. What has been the biggest adjustment to maybe this sort of lifestyle? I mean, it's something my husband and I always wanted. So people are saying, do you ever miss, you know, this about living closer to town? And not, not really. Like we pretty much are always happy to come home and be where we are. However, as our kids have gotten older, I feel like there's always this tension of, are they in enough activities? Are they seeing friends enough? You know, because I, we can't drive to town every day. And like to this day, my children still have not taken swimming lessons, right? Because their swimming lessons are every day for three weeks in town and I can't drive that often. So there's that tension there, but also knowing they have an amazing life here on the farm. So we're always, we're always examining that piece, but I think, I think it's okay at this point. The benefits outweigh. Yes. The, yeah. So you've built this lifestyle on the farm, how have you helped get the word out about what you're doing and maybe even connecting with other homesteaders to, you know, learn from each other? Online has been amazing um, because like you mentioned, homesteading took a while to get off the ground. And even now, Wyoming's, one thing I love about it and I also get frustrated about Wyoming is it's behind the times a little bit. So you might have other areas of the country where urban chickens or, or the idea of homesteading is more popular Wyoming, we're still a little bit awakened or need to be awakened to that idea. Um, so having online groups of homesteaders has really been a lifeline to, you know, I'm not alone and there's other people out there and getting ideas. So I think having that community, if you are wanting to homestead, um, having some sort of connection point, whether it's local or online is really crucial to help you feel like you can do this. Yeah. So yeah, what would you say to someone who has this dream of doing what you have done, where would you tell them to start? The food, for sure. Um, because the cool thing about food is, even if you live in an apartment in town right now, you can start changing the ingredients you're buying and how you're preparing them. And then, you know, someday down the road, if you ever get a little more land, then it's gonna, you're going to be that much more prepared. Um, and maybe you buy your milk at, at the farmer's market today, but once you learn how to handle that raw milk or how to make the cheeses, then when you get your own milk cow later, it just rolls right in and it's super easy just to keep on going. Yeah. What's your favorite part about this life? Oh man, there's lots of pieces. Um, I think seeing our kids be so immersed into it, especially since Christian, my husband, you know, my husband and I always were so obsessed with this lifestyle and we never <laughs> got to have it as children, seeing them just take to it. And the confidence it gives them and the savvy they have is just so rewarding. What a great opportunity for them. So as we've been here and just gotten to see everything that you have going on, you really do everything with intention and excellence. How have you built that into your life here? And how have you seen the positive results of that? Yeah, so I, I think it's been definitely a growth process. Because when we started, and if you would have seen maybe our first building projects, it was a little different. But we're, my husband and I are both huge fans of personal growth. And so we're always, and, and whether that's getting better at growing something in the garden or just our mindset. So we're always reading books um, about homesteading sometimes, sometimes about business, sometimes just about life and trying to, to improve ourselves. And I think that kind of bleeds into all the different pieces. And it's also really important that we teach our kids those 
um, principles as well that you do it right the first time that you go back and you, you can always, it's okay to fail, but you go back and you, you do it better the second time. You know, just that, that idea of we want everything we touch to have our, our little stamp on it. Yeah. How have you grown personally through this journey? Oh my goodness. Like (laughs) night and day since we started, um, I'd say we started off very small thinkers, which is normal, right? Yeah. Especially young newlyweds with not a lot of money or not a lot of life experience. And homesteading opened up the door of possibility um, because I think prior to figuring out that there was this world of homesteading, I thought I just had to fall into this typical cookie cutter mold. And I didn't want it, but I didn't know there was an alternative. So when I allowed myself to be open to the idea that we could live far from town, we could maybe even have a milk cow someday, or I could grow some food and I didn't have to be completely reliant on the store like everybody else, it made me more open-minded to other possibilities. Um, And for us, that looked, you know, it turned into things like, what if we were able to support ourselves and not have to go to town to work every day? What would that look like? Is that possible? Or what if we're able to be debt-free? Is that possible? Um, It just helped us ask those questions that then prompted a lot of growth. And it's not without hardship, right? There's a lot of ups and downs and people like see where we were and see where we are now. And I think they think it was just a smooth trajectory and it wasn't. There was lots of bumps and ups and downs and backward movement and then forward movement and then more backward. Um, but it definitely broadened our horizons quite a bit. Yeah. As this has grown, you know, we were talking earlier, it's to a point where you can't do it all. And I think as entrepreneurs, when we start out, we have to do it all, right? Because yes. you have to be wise with your money and your time and all that kind of stuff. But then once it gets to a point, you know, when did you decide, maybe what was the turning point when you're like, I have to start, you know, delegating stuff mm-hmm. and, and handing off some of this stuff. So what was that process like? It was hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I do have a capacity to do a lot. I can do a lot. I just am wired like that. Um, I move fast. I get things done. But it doesn't mean I should do it yeah. at all. And so I remember the first conversations with, I would be through with business coaches or with Christian and they'd be like, Jill you've got to hire somebody. And I'm like, I can't. Like, if you believe at first you can't, you believe there's not enough budget or you believe like no one, my biggest story is no one can do it as good as I can, which isn't always true. Um, and so getting to the point of letting go was, is always like jumping off a cliff for me. Every time I hire a new person, even if they're the most amazing individual and my people are, I have amazing employees. It's always like, diving off a cliff. But once I get through the shock of hitting the water, then it's like amazing. And you know, it's just so much relief. So I would say, I'm not trying to think maybe when my second child, I, when I had like a four-year-old and a two-year-old, that was when I first hired a sitter, um, just for a, a couple hours, a couple days a week. And then I started hiring some digital assistants after that. And that's crucial. And people look at me and they say, how do you do it all? And I, I'm like, I don't. I have employees and I have help with the kids and um, you have to, you have to have a team behind you if you're going to get to a bigger point. And I think we can all identify with that fear and it's, it's your dream and your idea and you want to find somebody who gets that the way Mm -hmm. that you do. So do you have any advice for the hiring process? You know, when, when people get to that point, what has been helpful to you? I've definitely, yeah, we've definitely had some not so great fits, right? Yeah. So I think it's looking at, being very honest with your strengths and then finding people who have complementary strengths. And so sometimes, you know, I'm a fast thinker, fast mover. 
Um, I don't really love details. <clears throat> so it's good for me to have someone who is a little more detail oriented. Um, it's fun for me to talk to a type A person like myself, but we get so wrapped up on going fast that we all both forget the details then. Yeah. So make sure you're really thinking about complementary strengths as you hire. I think that's crucial. Yeah. Tell us about your husband's role in all of this, just to kind of help paint the bigger picture for the, our listeners. So when we started out, he was an electrician, um, and he's always been very good at what he does and with lots of certifications, and he went into different pieces of the electrical world and, and did well. Um, and it was never my intention for him to stop working because he was so good at it, but I think it was 2015 when my businesses were profitable to a point where it just didn't make sense for him to be driving to town every day. And he had a really demanding job at the time. I think it was 80 hours a week. Oh my sometimes. goodness. So we were looking at, I mean, he made good money and he, he was good at it, but we're like, where is the tipping point here? And he was missing out on a lot of the kids milestones. And so, um, he decided to, to come home full time that year, which again, felt like jumping off a cliff. Yeah. I remember the day he got home and we had planned for it and we had money in the bank and we were ready with budgets and plans. And he walked in the door on his last day and I was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm like so scared because it's all on us now. Like there's no safety net, but anyway, it's been good. Um, he wears a lot of hats. He helps run the homestead stuff. We have some cattle that's kind of his baby, um, that we're going to be working in and creating a marketing plan around here in the future. And then he helps with kids support and he'll bounce, help me bounce ideas around for my business. So he has a lot of different roles that he plays now. Yeah. What's the question that people ask you the most about what you guys do? I think it's how we do it all. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, they, they're like, how do you keep so many things running and help hiring help is huge. The other part is, um, well, and time management, I'm, I'm pretty much a stickler with the calendars and schedules and staying on track, but then it's also letting go of things and being clear on what doesn't serve us. So there's just pieces of life that I just don't, I don't do a lot of, um, volunteering for bake sales or, you know, if there's lots of kids activities, we don't do that. Or, um, I don't sew, I don't, you know, there's just things that we opt out of, which gives us more bandwidth to give us time to focus on the things we are most passionate about. And I think that you have to just be really clear on choices at that point. Yeah. Well, what's your favorite recipe in the cookbook? <sighs> you know, I should have an answer because I get asked <laughs> that all the time. I go back and forth. I like the bread recipe, but you know, the recipe that's getting the most traction, I think someone posts a picture of it online almost every day is the salted caramel coffee creamer. <laughs> People okay. are going nuts. And that was like a last minute add in to the cookbook. It wasn't like the star recipe when I was recipe testing, but that one people just go nuts over. So I'd say that's the star, <laughs> believe it or not, of the at least the beverage section, if not more. Awesome. Well, where can we find the cookbook and how can we follow along with everything you have going on? You can grab the cookbook anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore. Um, and then you can find me online at theprairiehomestead.com or on Instagram or Facebook under the same handle. Okay, perfect. Well, what's next for you? So we are actually getting ready to launch our own podcast. So it'll be our first time in the podcast world. So we're working on episodes. So that'll be fun. Um, and yeah, we'll be having some more products and tutorials and courses coming out throughout the next few months. So just to help people get into that homestead lifestyle and feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. 
Well, Jill, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh my goodness, it was so fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we can't wait to follow along on your new podcast either. So we'll link to all that in the show notes. Thank you. Yes, awesome. Thank you. Well, I love Jill's passion and intentionality, and it shows in everything she's doing. We will keep you updated and let you know as soon as her podcast drops, and we can't wait to listen in. In the meantime, Jill has some great videos that we know you'll enjoy. So check out the show notes to find links to those videos, her website, and the links to follow her on her socials. Huge thanks to Jill for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.